0: Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR.
1: Okay, welcome to Adjust Your Tracking. It's a podcast where we're clearing out our movie backlogs by going year by year, decade by decade, for a century of cinema. From 1920, which is an arbitrary date, until 2020, which is now. Which we've already said is going to be the end of cinema, so it's, it's good. Ollie's giving me that look, like I'm being annoying. <laughs> I'm Liam. He's And I'm Ollie. Hey. <laughs> and uh we're back. Are you doing you right? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good, actually. i am looking forward to this actually.
0: Yeah, me too. I've been I've got a bit of the quarantine blues, so I need a bit of a need a bit of a pick me up. So hopefully we can get a David Mammoth pick me up. I don't know what that would be.
1: I don't think I want to know what that is, actually. Judging <laughs> David Mammoth a little bit. What was that song that's called <laughs> something blues? Lightsaber cocksucking blues. Is that what it was called?
0: Looking blues. Oh, by McCluskey.
1: McCluskey. Yeah. What happened to McCluskey? Yeah, yeah. Did we see them live?
0: Yeah, we saw them at Reading, and I was completely stoned, and I don't remember much of it. To be honest, I think I was holding your hand because we <laughs> we took a nice hit on a bong, and I pulled away, and you were just <laughs> dragging me around the Reading field. We went to see Electric Six. Yeah. That was the one. Then we went to see McCluskey, and then I kind of sobered up when we were watching Blink-182. Blink-182,
1: that was who I was trying to remember, yeah. Yeah, that was a good day. That was a good day it was, Reading.
0: It was. So I've been watching movies. I watched, what did I watch? I watched Little Shop of Horrors last night. Oh, awesome. That film is fantastic. And Have you ever seen the director's cut of that?
1: Uh, is that the one with the ending, where it goes into life? A kind of King Kong or Godzilla ending.
0: Yeah, yeah it's a Kaiju one. I mean, I didn't watch that one because Caroline, my wife, wanted to watch. My wife, she wanted to watch. She wanted to watch the uh, the one she remembered as a kid. So we just watched the normal version. One. But yeah, the what? Made <laughs> a joke. The fifties. I've oh, I've never seen that. I should watch that one just to kind of. Is it fifties or sixties?
1: I, I think it's fifties.
0: But is it? I know it's one of Jack Nicholson's early. I think it's his early first, films, and yeah. it was shot like in two days.
1: Isn't it a Roger Corman film?
0: Yeah, it is. But um, okay. And- oh, the animatronics on that plant are incredible, and the songs are brilliant. And I just love everything about that musical. I think it's I fantastic. Don't know and he, all
1: the songs that's on my head? Only a couple of the songs I think I could remember. Like, really,
0: Frank Oz shot it so well. It's from so good. 1960. Ouch. Right, right. But yeah, I should probably watch that one just to get a bit of a frame of reference to see how different it is to the
1: Put it on the list. We could do it.
0: And we could then talk about the other one as like a little side piece.
1: As a side piece, yeah. Which I'd have a lot better.
0: Feed Miss Seymour. Whilst I watch I watched I watched the new Netflix film. It's a Spanish film called The Platform.
1: Okay. I have not heard of that one.
0: So the premise of that is, it's kind of a... I wouldn't say it's like a Saw kind of film, but it's a one-location film. It's about 90 minutes long. And it's set in this almost like prison kind of environment that's got like 300 levels. And there's two people on each level. And um, there's like a hole in the middle of it that this kind of levitating block goes through it. And on it is like a banquet of food. So on the top level, the banquet of food is like... incredibly impressive but the further down it goes there's less and less food for people to eat Okay, so obviously it's kind of allegory for kind of yes,
1: (laughs) Yes. we all live in a society
0: yeah exactly so I mean I liked it uh, up until a point, I wouldn't say I disliked it but it kind of outstayed its welcome a little bit I think that the overall premise is quite strong but it's one of those ones that kind of it kind of gets a bit tiresome maybe. But it is but it's worth a watch definitely. And then the third film I watched was Midsummer. Oh I
1: love or Midsomer. 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 it. Midsomer or Midsummer? Midsummer. Midsummer Midsummer. Midsummer.
0: I thought I thought that was fantastic. Yeah
1: me too. Florence Florence I mean, Florence Pew last year just had such a good year. And I think she well was, else, was she that in film. Little Women.
0: She's, was she in that fighting with my family as well?
1: Yeah she was, yeah. She played Paige.
0: Paige. Um but yeah, I watched the director's cut, which I didn't realise, and it was a, <laughs> it was like three hours long. And um, from what I understand,
1: it's just extending scenes, really.
0: There's a few little subplots in it. Like, there's one I don't know if this is in the theatrical, but there's a bit where they're kind of by the water at night, and uh, this young child is going to like give himself to the goddess, and they're going to drown it. Okay. But really, all it, but all it is, it's kind of like. It's like a play really they're not really going to kill the children but the idea behind it is they're setting these children up to know that one day they will have to do yeah
1: get them used to the kind of cultish stuff and things yeah i really liked that film a lot i've, I've shown it to a number of people actually like demanded they watch it because i saw the it, cinema and it just kind of blew me away a little bit how like the this... way he does
0: the way he does horror is like anti-horror i don't know it's because it's not jump scares it's no. not it's just all about Mood and tone and yeah. setting, it's mood just... tone
1: setting, kind of threat, dread like that kind of stuff. That's stuff that I look for in a horror film a lot,
0: and I think and most of it's in the daytime, yeah,
1: exactly. And like the, in, like, the horrific and, like... looks of it, are, like flowers and stuff, yeah, which is just, yeah, as you say, antithetical, but it really works like, really works. It, I thought it was kind of terrifying, really.
0: Oh, yeah, but yeah, that's definitely probably one of. Uh, they're one of my favorite horror films now of all time. I think.
1: Who's the um the actor's name's gone out of my head, but the guy who's in that and he's in um the Good Place. Jack
0: Reyner. No, no, the Good Place.
1: Have you not watched the Good the, Place?
0: No, the Jack Reyner who was her boyfriend. He was in one of my favorite films of like was it 2016 called Sing Street. I don't know if you saw that. one oh,
1: I'd never watched Sing Street. I you've told ah. me to watch that a lot actually.
0: It's so, very charming.
1: Yeah. Is it, it's not about the Beatles is it, or something or?
0: No, it's nothing about the Beatles. It's I about like a young boy the in the 80s who kind of, he, he meets this, he goes to like an all boys school and he meets this girl and he, to impress her, he says, I'm in a, I'm in a band Will you be in one of my videos. And then, so he cobbles a band together out of like the new friends he makes at his school. And they actually turn out to be quite good. Okay. <laughs> and they kind of each of their songs kind of mimics like a different band that they're kind of getting into, so right. of the Cure or, or or um, Duran Duran and stuff like that. And his brother, his, his uh, Jack Rayner, plays his older brother who kind of mentors him through all this music and stuff like that. But there's kind of this other stuff going okay. on in the film and it, it's yeah it's it's fantastic. It sounds good. I, I definitely. I need forced to watch it that. on. I forced it on Caroline, and she was a bit. Meh. Which kind of broke my heart a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the worst thing when you kinda of go out there and try and show in a film and they just don't really give a shit about it and it just doesn't land for them. I
0: feel you're like you're looking at them, you're like kinda of going, Oh are they yeah, feeling yeah. the feelings I'm feeling and you can tell they're not and you're like
1: if it's something like psychic as well, that connection, is it's the same as going to the cinema. If I'm sitting next to someone who's not as into it as I am, I can feel it and it kind of ruins the, the experience for me a little bit. So, Did so I, I ruin like,
0: Star Wars for you? <laughs>
1: no, because who got into Star Wars? Oh, the guy next to me was vaping. He got into Star Wars. <laughs> the guy at the beginning of the film he started vaping. Fucking
0: asshole. He was adding Atmos. That's what he was doing.
1: Yeah, like a 4K. He was shaking the chair <laughs> as well. <laughs> the guy I'm thinking of was William Jackson Harper.
0: Okay, and who was that then? He's the, um,
1: he's the guy who's the act- He's doing his, uh, he's the reason for going there. He's the guy who's doing the um, his thesis on the place.
0: Uh, the one who breaks into the, yeah, the yellow in church kind of area. Book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, he's my pick to play um, Mr. Fantastic if they did a Fantastic Four film.
0: Really? Yeah, that's, I think it'd that's be fantastic. It's an interesting pick. I think it'd be fantastic too. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I just thought he'd be a bit young, but I don't know. I don't know. He's like
1: forty, dude.
0: You see, I, I the way I pitched him ahead, they're all like in their mid twenties. Yeah, they're doing their he looks young thesis or whatever. Yeah, he looks young. <laughs>
1: but fuck, I'll be probably writing my thesis at forty. So
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> so, what have you been watching or doing anything?
1: Uh, I watched Sonic the Hedgehog, which I want to talk to you about. Sonic
0: the Hedgehog. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier today, and I was like. <sighs> Yeah, okay, I'll get to it. (laughs) We'll talk about it next week.
1: I need you to see it to talk about it. It's no point me telling you about it without you seeing it. Okay.
0: All right, I'll I'll watch it.
1: Needless to say, I think it was made by someone who had no idea what they were making.
0: (laughs) Isn't that the case with most video game movies, though? No, I don't know. Detective Pikachu, that was people who loved
1: the source material.
0: You've seen the Mario Brothers movie. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's a long time ago That film's insane Well Sonic's now the highest grossing video game film ever
0: Even more than Prince of Persia
1: mm. Even yeah. more than Prince of Persia <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know what I found I found a little fun factoid about uh, Super Mario Brothers movie You know the, the jump boots they have Yes Yeah because obviously Mario he jumps on things So they have jump boots in Jump the Man. film. Yeah <laughs> I think that's what he was called, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, yeah. In
1: Donkey Kong, was it? He was called Jumpman? This isn't a video game podcast. I don't know.
0: <laughs> in the, In uh, Face Off, you know, there's like a magnetised uh, prison. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. So, so the boots that are magnetised boots, they're the jump boots from...
1: They just found the Mario boots and just used them as the prop.
0: Well, yeah, because they're probably just in a prop store and like, have those, have these.
1: What are these? Futuristic tech. <laughs> Or was John Woo a huge fan of Mario? That's probably what it was.
0: But I think there's something to do with... I think in The Golden Child, the knife that's in The Golden Child is also <laughs> yeah, the that, knife... No, it's that's in the shadow, in, um, isn't it? The shadow, the, yeah. the knife that kind of talks or moves or does something.
1: It is in the shadow. Starring Mr. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, today we're up to 1992. Um, we're looking at Glengarry Glenn Ross. Let me have your attention for a moment. Put that coffee down. Let's talk about something important. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Dorado. You want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you fired. Before we get into the film, though, what, what do you think about film in 1992?
0: 1992, So, what was in that year? I mean, for me, it was all about Batman Returns as a yeah, kid, absolutely. as a what seven year old or whatever. Do that think, was,
1: do you think we saw Batman Returns in 92?
0: I did. I remember being picked up outside of our school, White House Common, by our family friend Krishna, who used to work with my dad, and he took me to the cinema to go and watch oh, it. I remember Krishna and he bought me the comic book adaptation, which I still have.
1: I don't think I saw it at the cinema.
0: And then we got out of the cinema, and he was like, well that was a bit messed up, wasn't it? And you were just like,
1: yeah, Christopher Walken. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I loved it as a kid. It's a very strange film. It's brilliant. What about you? What was what sticks out to you from nineteen ninety two?
1: Um do you want the answer that makes me sound really good or my honest answer? Uh both. Encino Man.
0: Was that ninety-two? <laughs> yes. <laughs> To UK Fucking... audiences, though, that's California. California
1: man. man, yeah. Encino Man. I'm a purist. But <laughs> so I call it Encino Man.
0: Is that your real pick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love Encino Man. I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. I, the cast is brilliant. I love Brendan Fraser. I love Sean Austin. Portly sure. He might be a take or leave him, but I loved him in Encino Man.
0: You sound like you said portly sure, like portly he's blown some weight. <laughs>
1: Even though I'd never seen him, I'd never seen his character. I know he was doing that as a stand-up character for years before, and seen a man, like, but
0: oh, so like the character of Stony is not like written for the film like that, then?
1: No, they just literally it was people seeing him doing his stand-up and decided they need to put that in a film because it's so captivating, really. Because he's the sto- he's the son of the famous people who ran the comedy club in in LA, isn't it?
0: And what's your what's your like fake real pick?
1: My real bit, uh, Unforgiven, It's um, I think that's my favourite film that year,
0: really. What movie? Isn't that based on a...
1: It's based on a book, yeah.
0: Like... Well, I thought it was based like, on a samurai film. I thought it was kind of...
1: Hey, really? I always thought it was based on a book.
0: It could be. Let's have a, let's have a little fact check. Let's have
1: a little fact <laughs> check. Is that me doing the fact check or you doing the fact check? It looks like you're I'm doing, doing it. it.
0: So it'll be about two hours before I get the answer.
1: <laughs> we're going to look. We're going to look up Unforgiven first.
0: Uh, do, 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 do. I should be waiting directed by Clint Eastwood. Written by David Webb Peoples. Um, can't see anything about a book. I always thought it was based, like Lucy, you know, like how they say Star Wars is based on like Hidden Fortress and stuff like that. I always thought it was kind of like.
1: But I think it, it's it's fascinating to me how that film was 1992, which was so long ago.
0: Like, Ign- ignore me. It was remade in 2013 in Japan.
1: Okay, that's the connection with
0: with Ken Watanabe. Watanabe and, and Lee Sang-il, wonderful actor.
1: Yeah. Who we all obviously know from Detective Pikachu that we mentioned earlier.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I just find it fascinating because Clint Eastwood did that film in 1992, and it's a proper film about kind of one last go, redemption, the whole of a career. Like he's he's not he's talking about himself in that film as much as he's telling the story of this cowboy. And since then, he's now I don't know 130 and still making films. He still, you know, that that it wasn't that wasn't the end of his career in the slightest. It was almost the start of a new career for
0: him. Oh yeah, I'd say also, Unforgiven for me was like the last good Gene Hackman performance until probably like Royal Bounds.
1: Oh God, maybe I know he won. He won the Oscar for Unforgiven, didn't he? But
0: yeah, because I know he did a few. Like, wasn't he in like Outbreak and stuff, or is that no? He wasn't in that. What Ooh. was he in? That was Dustin Hoffman.
1: He was in Enemy of the State. I always think of Enemy of the State with him and Will Smith. I
0: was watching a thing with Alec Baldwin today and he was kind of talking about how, for years, like um, Gene Hackman inherited... The, he started doing this... The way he did his performance was that he'd laugh before he'd say a line. <laughs> so any line he said would start off with like this like end of a laugh and that it took someone like Wes Anderson to stop him doing that to get him out of doing that horrible kind of
1: that's amazing weird tick
0: but then i think it turned out that that was one of his last films wasn't it or was it like welcome to Mooseport? Welcome to
1: Mooseport was his official one it was so shit that it made gene hackman retire however <laughs> do you know what his last credit is on imdb even though please
0: tell me hang on i'm gonna guess is it ah shit what's the name of that show the one with the guy eats stuff <laughs>
1: yeah driver's dying in the dives yeah with Guy Ferreri. Is no, it that one? It is, it is. Guy Ferreri. And Guy Ferreri's interviewing him and he's, and it's not clear on video if Guy Ferreri really knows who it is. He just thinks it's this old boy who comes in for his breakfast.
0: Guy Ferreri looks like he's every single member of Smash Mouth combined together to form one entity, don't you think?
1: <laughs> Someone said to me the other day that Chino Marino looks like he was bitten by a radioactive Guy Ferreri. Hey, careful now. Watch what you
0: say about Chino Marino. I will turn this into the Deftones podcast if you're not careful.
1: Around the fur with Ollie J. <laughs> oh,
0: you've got to come up we've got to be a better name than that for a podcast. Oh, I don't the white podcast. No that no that's, that's, that's the that's, white <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, let's no let's not go. <laughs> I didn't think that one through.
1: (laughs) See? And you've poo pooed mine. (laughs) (laughs) Broken Ollie.
0: All right, okay. Uh, So, even around the podcast, that doesn't sound very good either.
1: No. I don't know. We have to have the podcast (laughs) to replacing a word. (laughs) Because that's how it works.
0: (laughs) Uh, What other films came out? Reservoir Dogs was a big one. That was quite an influential movie.
1: We're talking because we're 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 we're, we're British people. You might have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying this to Ollie for some reason. But um, Reservoir Dogs was successful because of England. Uh, Was it? That's that famous story about it that um, it didn't really do anything in America. For some reason, it got kind of it built up a massive head of steam in England. And it really started getting like the word of mouth out there and stuff. And then that kind of fed back into America and then fed back into like festivals and stuff like that. And that really built his head of steam. And without that, I don't think it would have been a successful film.
0: Do you think it could have been like the violence and the, the excessive swearing that kind of was a bit off-putting in America? Because apparently, the... that, if we yeah. want to segue into this, this is apparently one of the reasons why this flopped so hard. Oh, really? So, yeah, this... So... Glengarry, I can't pronounce it it's properly. It's horrible, isn't it? Glen, I,
1: kept, I kept calling it Gregory Glen Ross.
0: No wonder why it <laughs> flopped. Glengarry Glen Ross. So it was made for a budget of like 12.5 million and apparently no t- no film company would bankroll it. Oh, uh, right. But the producers promised Mamet a million dollars to for the option and to write it. And then they got the rest of the money from TV and cable channels okay and then obviously got someone else to distribute it but it only made 10 million at the box office so you know bit of a loss there
1: <laughs> I, yeah I noticed how it didn't make any money internationally so I'm not even sure it opened internationally which is very weird
0: but man what a what a fucking cast
1: I know I know they must have all taken payche- pay cuts oh they
0: did apparently um, Al Pacino normally got like 7 million at that time for a role and he got like one for this I think oh, poor man I don't know what you would have done I know poor, poor, <laughs> <laughs> poor Pacino
1: He's great in this. In a way that I don't think Al Pacino's always great. You know, like he won the Oscar this year for Centre Woman and Centre Woman is that kind of atypical like parody of an Al Pacino performance. That is just, that
0: the one where he's a blind guy? Yeah, the blind gentleman. And me. Chris O'Donnell's like, yeah. guy and give him round.
1: Yeah. And it's just that that yelling, that kind of Pacino just ah, da like and and this is not that at all. <laughs>
0: Like, he d- he does say a- the way he says "fuck you" is amazing in this because he uses his whole mouth. The way his mouth opens and he licks his mouth, "fuck <laughs> you," it's brilliant. <laughs>
1: is he the main character in this? He's I not. don't
0: really think there is really. There's there's like six main characters or five five six.
1: I was thinking because he no he got nominated for best supporting for this, so he got yeah. Um, but Jack. No, Lemmon, I thought Jack Lemon
0: got. Didn't he win it?
1: No, Jack Lemon didn't get nominated for anything. Which you not? Lemmon, Jack Lemon's really good in this. Like, legitimately, I thought he was the best thing about the film.
0: Well, I've never seen Jack Lemon act like this before. No. Like, no, Seeing either. Jack Lemon swear is kind of like. Yeah. Seeing Terry Wogan swear yeah, or something. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, you know,
1: Man, Jack Lemon to me is just the odd couple. Some some like it hot. And fucking grumpier old men, and grump grump grumpy old men, and grumpier, grumpy, and grumpier. We yeah. should do them. We should do them as a double bill. <laughs> <laughs> those films were massive. Why did those films exist?
0: As soon as he says cocksucker, I was like fucking. <laughs> <laughs> like hearing Jack Lemon say cocksucker was, I don't know. What did you think of the movie? How? What did you enjoy the film?
1: Um, I didn't like it that much.
0: If I'm honest, you didn't. No. Um... I think I appreciate it more than I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I liked watching these guys acting. You know, I like, yeah. enjoyed watching them act. And, but the film itself, it's a bit... I don't know if I, if I can get really into it, a bit, maybe a bit deep, but it's kind of like I feel this culture is what a lot of our society from here onwards think is right. And I think a lot of and a lot of that kind of bullshit about how important sales is and money and and like money is all about sex and power and fuck you fuck him fuck them like and and abuse and stuff like that. It I I don't I was watching this film thinking I don't like any of them. I think they're all assholes. I don't think they've got a good point about anything. And it was kind of even Jack Lemmon who you you kind of um you feel sorry for him because he's he's not having a good time. Even he comes across as a dick yeah as soon as he comes across he thinks comes across as an absolute like yeah prick
0: well he comes across as a bit bipolar so one minute he's nice then the next minute he just fucking turns on you. yeah he
1: uses that niceness yeah
0: but that niceness is fake though yeah 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 yeah, the way it comes across i mean that because so obviously they're all salesmen and what is it like? Real, like they're selling shitty real estate, aren't yes, they? Basically, yeah.
1: they're selling Glen Gary Heights or something, and Glen Ross, I don't know, Meadows yeah. or something. I don't know, what yeah, was, exactly. Like, yeah, which it took me ages to realize that's where the name came from, if I'm honest.
0: Alec Baldwin's character, who was written for particularly specifically for the film, he comes in to kind of what to kind of motivate them almost. Yeah, I think so.
1: I, I get, I'm guessing oh. that getting the idea, of The Office isn't doing very well.
0: But in my in my research today, so I found out that um, the reason why Mamet wrote him into the film was because let me look at my notes. Where is it? So this is what Mamet said: because these men aren't criminals, but they needed like an ex machina to turn them into these criminals. Because what they do is is wrong, isn't it? Really? Because they're they're almost like they're fraudsters, aren't they? Really?
1: But they are fraudsters. Yeah. I mean, they are criminals. I disagree with Mamet. I think they are criminals at the start of it.
0: You know, he won the Pulitzer Prize for for the play, didn't he? Yeah, 1984, was it, or 88 or something? Baldwin was, like, questioning, why do you need to rewrite the film that got a Pulitzer Prize? And he just said, well, because it was a flaw in the script. And he did the deus ex machina to kind of spearhead them into why they're all kind of, like, fighting against each other.
1: I would say, it, it sounds silly I'm Not to fighting th- against each other, but... Well, they are competing, aren't they? Suddenly they're all kind of hungry sharks in the water.
0: Yeah, because it makes it a competition. Yeah. Well, because only two of them can survive, really. Yeah. Yeah. First place, second place, and third place is fired. Yeah, the one who gets the Cadillac, the one who gets the knives, and the yeah. other two are going to get fired. Yeah. I did like that line, though, coffees for closers. This is the thing about this fucking
1: play. It was like finally watching something that people have referenced for 30 fucking years. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And, like... <laughs> Always be closing, ABC. Always be closing. I've I've heard always be like jokes forever and not knowing what it's from originally. And coffee is for closers. I've heard continuously. And my good, my little fact that you might not know: um, uh, Jack Lemon's character is the inspiration for Gil Gunderson in The Simpsons. Do you know the salesman, Sean's... Gil Gunderson in The Simpsons? He's oh, kind of, yeah, 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 The Downey's Luck salesman. He's always like, old Gil's got to get this sale in. And, <laughs> and that's entirely Jack Lemmon's performance in this, which I didn't even realise before. Like, They basically just took that character and put him in Simpsons.
0: The acronym stuff really annoyed me because it reminded me of when I used to work in uh, you know, the video game shop. And we had one, and it was called SMILE. And it was for stage, meet, invite, link, and end. <laughs> what? And it was just all about so stage is like I remember that on the wall so yeah stage was the shop floor okay. where the customer is meet is you go they say they're looking at the Xbox you have to go and meet them invite you bring them into the sale you're kind of you selling and then the link is the upsell so oh this game will go well with it this controller will go nicely to have two players and then end is the end and I hated all that you got people in there though who really got into the selling aspect of it I didn't give a shit but it's like a game to them and, and it's like a game to these guys. And like you'd have people who we'd work with who you know like how you is one person prefers Sony, one person prefers Nintendo. If someone's looking at a PlayStation, they'd be like, Oh, come over here and have a look at the Xbox. It's much better. And they'd and then they'd come back to the counter, they'd be so happy that they've converted someone from buying a PlayStation yeah. to yeah, buying yeah, it. Yeah. I'm like, you're a dickhead. Think, yeah. <laughs> and this is like,
1: my I didn't hate the film, I just didn't, I don't like this culture, and I, it was this. And for me the same way that kind of uh, you know, Wall Street almost invented modern bankers because yeah, yeah, yeah. the way that they portrayed bankers in Wall Street almost was art imitating life I At mean, sorry, it was life imitating art because the year before Wall Street was fucking um, trading places, and the way bankers are portrayed in that is so different to the way that we think of bankers now, when they're, they're all like suited people sitting around in massive wooden buildings and walls and stuff and and i've wondered if this film kind of did something for salesmen or salesman's culture in the same way that wall street did for banking culture and i did look up and people do use this film in salesman cultures to kind of show to you what's good sales tactics how to be a hungry salesman how to be that person and stuff
0: well yeah because if you look at jack lemon he's not a very good salesman the best salesman is Al Pacino because yeah. he's not. He, if you watch his opening one, he's not selling the property first. No, he's, he's selling, selling himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like befriending him and he's kind of drawing him in. He's basically telling
1: like, Jonathan Price that you can be me if if only you yeah, kind of. Yeah, you don't buy it,
0: into. I mean. It's like you don't buy into things. You buy into people. You get people's. Uh, I don't know. What am I trying to say? Confidence. They're tricksters. Confident. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's what they are,
0: yeah. And you know, he'd all like at the end, he almost gets Jonathan's prices back at the end. I was
1: going to say the scene that him and Jack Lemon do at the end was one of my favorite little bits of it when they're playing the con against uh, Jack Lemon and he's pretending to be a MasterCard exec, I think it was
0: something uh, like American Express or American
1: something. American Express, yeah. And uh, they're, they're, they're playing it often. And I love con men movies. So that stuff, that was really working for me at that point because you are watching the con and watching the kind of game they were playing to get it through. Um, which, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... We talked about David Mamet. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about David Mamet, really. Because even though this was directed by Dave Foley, Dave Foley's a bit of a, just a workman-like director. And I didn't see
0: much... James Foley, yeah. is it Yeah, it's James Foley, did I say. I can't remember what I said. Yeah, he did. De- he did some of the Fifty Shades movies, didn't he? Exactly. And... He
1: did the Fifty Shades films when you were. basically they fired the director who wanted to do something interesting with them and brought him on to kind of just film the script, like just get it done, uh, kind of thing. And and I, I feel like maybe I don't know what he contributed to this outside of the the mammoth of it all, really. Um, and if you don't, you know
0: you... who was? Do you know who the original director was going to be? No, actually. It was, it was going to be Irving Kirshner, you know, who did um, oh, um, uh, Empire, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. and that.
1: that probably would have worked, actually. Well, this did work. It's a weird film. I can't say it didn't work, I think, is exactly what it needs to be. I think there's always a problem in adapting kind of theatre into cinema. They're very different, even though they're both just acting. They're very, really different mediums, and I think it's, it's hard to adapt a, a theatre play straight off into a film, I don't think it's always successful and I think this suffers a little bit from it a little bit from that kind of problem but I did do it and did enjoy watching it I just had trouble really loving it I think and I think there's certain people this film speaks to in a different way that it's ever going to speak to me it's never going to be that film for me I think.
0: It took me a while to get into it because for the first hour I was you're trying to get into the the rhythms the way people speak and their cadence and stuff like that and it's 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 off. It's a little bit off because yeah. it's a an idealized way of speaking. It's almost like a bit like a, the way Tarantino. Maybe Tarantino well, was quite influenced by this.
1: I was going to say David Mamet. As if again, he's a huge, huge writer. He's won everything you ever need to win in writing. He's you know he's Jewish American, which I only say because he writes a lot about Jewish history and, and heritage and stuff like that as well. Um, he's massive. It's hard to name a bigger kind of American writer, but he's so big that he has a phrase attached to him called mammoth speak and it's it's about the way he writes dialogue and I'll go through it has like it has similar it has th- four kind of qualities to it which when he started writing dialogue they were really unique to writing one of them is it's fast you know character speak in really mm-hmm. fast succession uh, they cut each other yeah. off they don't wait for you to finish they cut off sentences and they repeat stuff constantly
0: well they do that a lot with um Ed Harris's character and Alan uh, Arkin's character yes, when it's yeah. like it hurt better, it's that kind of like rhythm Absolutely. of the way they
1: they go. An idea, yes. We're not just talking about it. We're we talking about it. Yes. Are we speaking about it? what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. that kind of stuff. It's loaded with jargon as well. So if he's writing about salesmen, or if he's writing about cops, or if he's writing about you know lawyers, he he fills it with the jargon they would use as as the as the kind of um, as the profession which sounds obvious but most of the time you're writing you're worried about the audience watching it who don't know this world um so often you might try to drop jargon because it might be alienating for an audience that don't understand it but david mamet really leads into it if he's writing about a cop, he's using cop speak and you just get on board you know you'll find your place with it he um yeah he really focuses on semantics so like Yeah. Characters are really obsessed with the exact manipulation of language itself and exactly what you're saying right now. You see it a lot between Albertino and Jonathan Price at the end of this film when they're they're repeating the same stuff over and over again, but they they're meaning different stuff when they say it. And um it's always vulgar as well. This it's always full of like you know, he writes tough men speaking, tough talk, and it's full of like swearing.
0: Well, it's a very masculine film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, even when it starts off with that kind of 90s jazz i was like well this is a film telling me it's got men in it doing men things though
0: well the, but... the flipping title credit sequence annoyed me it was so long it was so long <laughs> it's like come on
1: speed it up but so like mammoth is an is an influence for quentin tarantino like we would know mammoth speak more now it's quentin Tar- tarantino stuff but quentin tarantino absolutely took what david mammoth does and did it himself as well it but sounds
0: might... like though that Tarantino does more of the pop culture version of it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but it's so, still
1: it's vulgar, it's fast, it's it's about semantics of that pop culture. It's 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 that kind of stuff with it. And it, it, it doesn't
0: do the kind of the rhythmical kind of thing that he does. I don't think as much. Do you know what I mean? The way the like you know the, 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 the that kind yeah, of yeah
1: sure yeah it's not quite as snappy and quite a kind of like like that way. But I think a good example of it as well. If if people haven't watched this. Uh, the thick of it that you might know, um, Arminia. Um, yeah, in yeah the TV show. Yeah, yeah. He he does similar mammoth mammoth speak in the way that he writes professions. So he, when he's doing politics and stuff, it's it's that hard, quick, like jargon. That's a good point. Kind of I've stuff. never thought about that. And um, interesting. Same again. One other example is Brian Michael Bendis, the comic book writer. Um, yeah, yeah. He, to a point, people used to call him the mammoth of comics, or call his dialogue Bendis speak because he writes <laughs> mammoth speak but in comics so it was his his comics were really known for having boxes that were full of speech dialogue like full of text yeah, yeah yeah um which which were kind of characters intercutting with each other as well like cutting each other off and stuff and it had this similar Did Miller do stuff
0: effect. like that though and yeah, more but,
1: though didn't they weren't they quite it, yeah but Ma- Miller was more like soliloquies Really? It was long okay. text where, where Brian Michael Bennis is really these kind of cutting, like little two words and stuff like that, like like jabby little. like Yeah, I know what
0: you mean like boxes that just kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of I'm, I'm showing limb in my hands, but it's not. Really, <laughs> We're both doing this waving hands <laughs>
1: thing to point out comic <laughs> books. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was interesting. As, like, as a, like I appreciate writing, um, I, I that was one of the reasons I was interested in watching this because David Mamet is. Uh, you know, a legend really in kind of theatre and writing and stuff. And if other films he might have done, I know I don't really know if I've ever watched his any of his directed films, but he wrote un- the Untouchables. In the see, well. it's
0: been a while since I've watched Untouchables. I don't remember it being as like it's
1: not as mammy as this play. Yeah, the, yeah, it's, I don't remember. I watched it after after I watched this. I watched it to kind of see really,
0: especially you know Sean Connery as the Scottish Irishman. It's so funny.
1: I was watching. I never really realised before that Sean Connery is actually trying to do an Irish accent in it. It's not. It's he's he's, he's definitely not just doing Sean Connery. He's definitely trying to sound Irish, and it's like so funny because it doesn't work.
0: (laughs) But I still remember liking him in it, though. Oh,
1: he's brilliant in it. He is. He absolutely makes still good in it. Yeah, yeah. And what was the other one? Wag the dog as well. Wag the Dog is a that one when oh, they put a yeah, fake yeah. war on. Uh, I think that's. I think I prefer Wag the Dog to this. I think um, it's a bit funnier, and uh, I think it's just a bit more. It's more of a film where this really is. Uh, it this really is a kind of theatre adaptation, and it's probably better on the theatre as well, frankly.
0: But um, well, apparently it's actually based on Greek tragedy, isn't it? Okay. All the characters are destined to fail at the end, so it doesn't matter sure. who they are. They're all going to falter. Makes sense by the end of it have you seen the posters for this it makes it look way more intense than it actually is looks (laughs) like a thriller like a murderous (laughs) thriller film like "Mm, i had really that
1: yeah i had no idea what this was um not until watching it but it was one of those films when people would bring it up kind of like in like memento it's like oh you gotta watch gangari Gangras. it's brilliant like and like same way as people obsessed with showing you memento back when we were at university and stuff and bit
0: before. Well, I was watching clips on YouTube earlier today of like a performance and it had um is it John C McGinley, you know the guy from Scrubs? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Dr. he's Clubs. playing the Ed Harris character. And the audience are like wetting themselves at it as if it's a comedy and for me, it didn't I don't know if it came across as a comedy.
1: A little bit it's humorous dialogue. There was a bit I think there was um Jack Lemon at one point goes, "Oh yeah, I was eating a crumb cake, and that really made me laugh because it's like, that kind of obsession with detail about what he was doing." Oh, at like the picking up the vodka and...
0: glass with the little design on it and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that, that yeah. Kind of... It's
1: yeah, it's funny, I guess.
0: I wonder if some of these things they say are lies though to each other because liars always over like indulge in the detail. Well,
1: that's the thing when Jack Lemon comes back on, I was just like, he's fucked this up, but I don't know how he has. Like, is he lying about this? Is a complete fabrication? Is it like did he actually not make this money at all? That's what I was thinking was going on, but it ended up being right. that he one did the robbery and two spoilers I guess and two he um sold it to mentally ill people who can't sign a check, so he all fucked it all up completely.
0: That was harsh of Kevin Spacey's character because he just flat out just didn't like him, just gave him the shit lead.
1: That that line is really good when he's like because I don't like you. Like that was a that he said that so cuttingly, like. I think you'd be tempted to write that line more verbose. Like, the way he says it, you could be tempted to really pack it full with something. But just say, I don't like you. The way he said it it, was really cutting. Speaking, we kind of should talk about the Kevin Spacey of it all because it's a problem with 90s films that he's in these fucking films. And And he's he's good good in them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And did you notice how he started off? Like, he's almost like his characters in in a way. that In a lot of the early 90s films, he's very... He's in them, not a lot, but very understated, but very good. Like a lot of his characters end up being quite understated and they don't realise how the turn that he makes. They don't realise kind of how that real manipulating life. he is, basically. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I, I totally. There's a fucking film, the Clint Eastwood film, called um, It's Based on a Book, but it's. Oh, it's based on an Autobook. I don't know. It's based on something. It's called The Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And okay. in it, Kevin Spacey is playing a character who was sleeping with underage boys. Or something, or (laughs) underage boys, or something. And I was watching this film only about two weeks ago, just thinking, "What the fuck? Like this? (laughs) Kevin Spacey's playing himself. Like, why would you ever take that role? It was how old was was this film? I don't know, nineteen ninety-eight, something like that. It's (laughs) it's weird, man. It's weird.
0: And it's like maybe one of those things that he was thinking: the closer I am to it, the less people think I am part of. Do you know what I mean? Like. It
1: did feel like hiding in plain sight. I just...
0: Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, w- I did write
1: down, um, is this a good film that you can still watch with Kevin Spacey in it? Because he kind of does get shit upon a lot during it. He's, But in the end, he then kind of wins. So I'm still not sure. Like,
0: But I think he takes that on purpose. These guys, they can't turn on each other. They have to kind of have that person they, they have hate. To have the boss they hate. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of, I think he understands that's the role I've got to play in this. Do you know what I mean? I've got yeah. to be that person. But I tell you what, I, th- I found quite interesting. I don't know if you thought about this, but like, so actors and salesmen have a lot in common anyway because the salesmen have got to put on an act to sell the to sell the product or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah. then actors have to sell the. Perform- so It's quite very similar. So I can imagine for an actor this is like a massive like apparently a lot of actors really wanted these parts. Right. I can like, imagine. In these fil- like it was a kind of a very sought after uh, film. Apparently like Al Pacino was like in and out quite a lot and then they offered the part to um, Alec Baldwin to play that part and he accepted it. Okay. But then somehow Al Pacino, Al Pacino came, came back in again. Came back in.
1: You talked about um, Alec Baldwin. I would say that David Mamet is absolutely correct. This film definitely needs that that part. Like I can't, oh yeah, I can't even imagine it without that that part of it.
0: Well, it, you need the instigating, yeah.
1: Unless Kevin Spacey instigates something, I just can't understand it having no instigation into it. it
0: but I like the fact he's a character that you never see again. He comes into it yeah. like a like a force of nature, and then just fucks off.
1: Just fucks to... off, and that's the fame. That's the the. Out of everything in this film, that's the famous dialogue. That's got all the catchphrases everyone always repeats. That I bet they play that scene constantly as Salesman.
0: I wonder if they incorporate that into the, the theatre the version. Yeah.
1: Or... I'd be surprised if they didn't. But maybe they just wanna be, you know, pure and just do the original stage show. Because I mean it it won't a pullister without hit that scene in it. Pulitzer. Yeah, it's
0: like yeah. it's not the same thing, but I know that the play version of Greece and the film version of Greece are very different. But if you go and watch Greece at the theater, it's still the original version. They haven't updated it or changed it to be more like the cinema version, so they probably haven't updated the
1: When I went to go see Greece, it was the screen version. It wasn't Was the... it uh, cuz I know
0: that like so Greece lightning is sung by it's not sung by Danny in the in the play version it's sung by like his best friend in it quiz it yeah and uh there's some other minor stuff in it but anyway it's not <laughs> we're not talking about Greece <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was thinking about when I was watching this I was thinking about theatre I like I like the theatre a lot I, I try to go as much as I can I don't live in London so it's a little bit difficult but um I uh I did have tickets to go see David Mamet's new its play it came out it was playing last year in London with um um what's his face John Malkovich at the lead okay but I ended up having to give tickets away and I it's off it's off now cuz you know it was only limited
0: He hasn't while. done much recently has he? Who Mr Malkovich? Yeah I
1: can't even remember Malkovich Malkovich I'm sure
0: Malkovich, he's doing something I don't know Malkovich Malkovich Malkovich
1: Malkovich It was called Bitter Wheat by the way that's what I was okay. to say, but I can't remember why I had to give tickets away. I had to go. Add something coming up.
0: What do you think of the actual like the cinematography and all that of it? What do you think of it?
1: Um, it's difficult to shoot what is practically four rooms. Really? Yeah. So
0: it's, you've got the restaurant or bar or whatever it is. Yeah, the Chinese you've restaurant, got, isn't it? You've kind of got the in between bit, which is the the road, the sidewalk yeah, kind road of road and a couple and of cars. You, yeah, and then you've got the obviously the building and then there's someone's house their living room
1: oh yeah when when i was going to call him Jill then from simpsons when jack lemon goes in to uh to try and hard sell him in his house and the guy's just like what the fuck are you doing here like go away like why are you sitting down why are you talking like this
0: and then um and just inside people's cars and that's it really yeah And, like, I was listening to some other people talking about it, and they said, oh, it doesn't feel claustrophobic at all. But I actually felt quite claustrophobic watching this film. I think it
1: did. I think it maintained a a kind of theatre kind of blocking. Like, like each scene taking place, and you can imagine the scene transitions, and you can imagine the kind of movement of it.
0: But the performances are big. Yeah. So, like, even though everything else is minimalistic, the performances are, are big, aren't they? Like, you know... The big rambunctious I can't pronounce that word, like big just big speeches and big
1: You say rambunctious, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I think so. Rambunctious. Is that a correct term? Um... Yes, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> we can use it. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: but I actually thought it looked quite nice. The, the the use of natural lighting and that I thought was pretty nice. And, it helps um, in a few. I like yeah, how yeah. the first act is is all at night. So then the colours you get like you get a lot of reds, like bright reds. Like almost like insipid kind of greens and yeah. blues, and then you get kind of reds from act... all
1: the like the neon lights from the Chinese and stuff, don't you? Yeah. yeah.
0: But even like the seti in the house in the um, yeah is quite red and stuff like that, and the from the lights of cars and stuff like that. And then the second act when it's in the daytime, it's um it's all quite monochromatic.
1: No, it's true. And I did like how the I guess yeah, it's a second act when as you say they um it's all that one room. It's all that kind of in day. It's it feels more claustrophobic because you've got that closing closing in of the um, uh, the cops on 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 the plot that's going on. You can They're all very pressured because even though Alan Arkin didn't take place in the robbery he already he feels like he's going to be implement, implemented Implemented.
0: yeah because Ed implicated. Harris just goes you are implicated yeah. because you listened or yeah, just yeah, because yeah, yeah. you were in the car with me yeah because you like, listened
1: to me which is bullshit like, well, a,
0: but like the one thing I liked about this they're all using their sales skills on each, on other, each other throughout the yeah. whole film so like you've got um, Jack Lemon doing it to Kevin Spacey in the car where he's kind of he's trying to bribe him to get the, uh, yeah, 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 the Glenn Glarry yeah. uh, the 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 new leads leads yeah. um Ed Harris is doing let to, me have the
1: leads let me know come on twenty percent twenty percent fifty bucks
0: and... I mean Ed Harris is doing it to um, Alan Arkin I think the one who probably comes off as the cleanest maybe to at least to his fellow workers is Al Pacino even though he's fully playing Jonathan Price like to a tee
1: yeah
0: don't you think Jonathan Price looked like he was like a, an aging rock star from like a prog rock band or something, with his skullets and his like <laughs> awkward tie, and
1: I love how they're all wearing braces. Yeah, like, I did write here that 90s suit look really. 90s suits look really comfortable.
0: Like... <laughs> the the ties go down so the the, the waist the the belt is almost <laughs> like, like midway yeah. <laughs> up your... Your waist. And the tie goes really far down. There's so much design. room in those
1: pants, though. Like, they're just all swishing around and <laughs> a nice, nice big blazer. I was like, oh, yeah, I could get a 90s suit and lounge around. Sell some it when, the
0: we went to our friend Edge's wedding and I had, like, one of those suits on before, like, I started to get a fitted suit that actually makes you look somewhat decent. <laughs> and everyone just called me fucking Swiss Tony the whole day.
1: <laughs> From the fast show. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. <laughs> It's funny, actually, that how like Swiss Tony is that same kind of sleazy salesperson, but these are the same people, but they look more glamorous than that. Like, they're the exact <laughs> yeah. same kind of makeup. They're wearing the same baggy suits, the, the same shitty office. where like They stole the phones. Why did they
0: steal the phones? That is an interesting <laughs> thing. Why did they steal the phones? To make it look just more like a robbery as opposed to so. just a straight up. Just taking the so it lead. wasn't just a targeted... Yeah, uh,
1: that makes sense. Uh, robbery. They didn't even have computers as well on their desks, which was really funny to oh me. I
0: know, they did. They're just a phone.
1: And the, the, and <laughs> uh, Jack Lemon keeps on saying to his customers that, I'll just feed you back into the computer and, it, and, it's, and it'll tell me like like what we can offer you and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, you ain't got a fucking computer. Like, and I like that he's <laughs> using that as a kind of, if I just say computer at people, and they'll, they'll think, oh, we're really fancy. And they'll kind of follow on from from us in that way because he thinks it's really fancy because he's an old school guy who probably never really used a computer
0: like I know it's not a modern film now you know because it's nearly 30 years old but it's nice to see Jack Lemon in a film that feels a bit more contemporary and a bit more like yeah yeah. I don't know what the word is a bit more um, edgy for the lack of a better word sure sure.
1: well as I say it's not grumpy old man or whatever the fuck it was called Exactly. But I think. Do
0: you I think it would have benefited it... if Walter Matthau was in it?
1: Yes, always. And <laughs> Burgess Meredith. Yes. You know when they f- they filmed Grumpy Old Men, Burgess Meredith had Alzheimer's, and he died like. Did he? A year later oh, or man. something like that. Like that. Just think. Why? Just just leave him alone. You don't have to do this fucking film. <laughs> just like.
0: You it. know who wrote or directed those films? No. The guy who did the Daredevil film with Ben Affleck. No way, really. I think so. Let me just have a look.
1: <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't know why I'm obsessed with those films today. I just started thinking about them. I just remember they made millions. They were huge. They made like 70 million, I think.
0: So Mark Stephen Johnson, he he didn't direct the Grumpy Old Men's, but he wrote them. Okay. okay. Oh, and he also wrote Big Bully with... Um...
1: <laughs> with Rick Morales.
0: <laughs> did
1: we bring that up in the first episode? we did
0: he also wrote Jack Frost that weird film with um, <laughs> Michael Keaton
1: starring um, um, oh fuck Henry Rollins
0: Yeah, he's got a new film coming out though it's already out called Finding Steve McQueen
1: is that a documentary
0: no no it's an actual film okay. uh, came out last year Travis Fimmel I don't know, I don't know. anyway
1: what was I saying about Jack Lemon? Yeah, uh, sometimes these classic movie stars—it's sometimes I think we'll find this when we go start exploring kind of older movies. But I think it's hard to sometimes imagine them holding their own against modern movie stars like modern actors because obviously the, the art of acting's changed. The, oh yeah, yeah. The, the way to do stuff has, has moved on, and and maybe for better or worse, you know. And I think it's really nice seeing someone like Jack Lemmon, who I kind of consider a classic actor. Coming into no, I thought the like
0: same this. thing. I thought the exact same thing. And he's
1: holding his own in it. He's he's actually, I think, the most engaging part of it, and probably I would say he's the lead of it as well. So
0: he's my favourite character in it, just because he seems the most layered in terms of yeah.
1: Well, he's actually got an arc. No one else has got an arc. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess Kevin Spacey's character kind of does, but really it's. That's not really an arc. That's just. But at rude. least you
0: know but, more about the Jack Lemon character. You know he's got a daughter who's sick and stuff. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Or is he lying about that? Who knows? Who <laughs>
1: knows? But what was good is when it came to the reveal that Jack Lemon did the robbery, they didn't show you any of those scenes of him agreeing to it. You didn't need them. You knew what you knew what Ed Harris was like selling it, and you know that Jack Lemon would absolutely fall for it because we've met him enough. We didn't need. Well, any I mean, of that he's already
0: dots. been begging. Uh, yeah. Kevin Spacey for them, and yeah, um, yeah. And if you watch it, if so, you know the bit. So uh, Ed Harris's character comes in; uh, he's the first one to be interviewed, yeah. so he's the first person that can leave. Yeah. So if you yeah. watch him, like if you watch him in the interview, and they find out that um, he didn't cash the check, he kind of does a little smile to himself, a little laugh, at, um, Ed Harris, and then when he leaves after he's had that argument with um, uh, Al Pacino, yeah you see Jack Lemon shitting himself because he knows that Ed Harris is going to go off to, where's he going to? Not Phoenix. He says, I'm going off somewhere. Pittsburgh or somewhere. He says, I'm going off somewhere. Sure. Wisconsin? I can't remember. I think it's Wisconsin. And you just see the look on Jack Lemon's face as if to say, like, oh, it's all going to, if it comes out, I'm going to take the full brunt of this anyway.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I don't mm-hmm. understand that. at what point do they not think that it's they the would worst it's...
1: robbery in the world.
0: <laughs> it is like no one else
1: would rob the the leads. Yeah, like <laughs> they're, they're pointless to anyone unless you're a salesman, and no one would know. To it's so stupid.
0: <laughs> like it is. It's it done. I mean, you, if they if they introduce the other, because I think Ed Harris is selling them off to another. Um... He real, is, t- yeah. real estate, yeah. Company.
1: I can't remember the guy's name, if, but he is. If he they'd
0: introduced them and made it as if they knew there were these, then they could have at least played on that a bit more. But I I don't know,
1: yeah. It's, I guess, it doesn't need it because you have all that connecting tissue there. And it is nice that it's not bigger, it's only 100 minutes long, which is it absolutely just float like rushes past. It's a really easy to watch. I would, you know, in saying that, I'd recommend people check it out if they're not seeing it because. You get to see these people act, and and it is really easy to watch it.
0: But um, that's the best thing about it. It's a masterclass from like five great actors. Is it five, five, six great actors? You know what I mean. It's
1: seven. Yeah, seven actors really. Isn't I don't think I'd
0: watch it again. But I wouldn't. I'm glad. I'm glad I watched it, and I I appreciate it more than I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm glad I've ticked it off one of those boxes that I've never got around to watching this before, and I'm kind of did, really. I think I was going to say this early, but in, for years I thought this was like a, a mafia film, or a gang film for some reason. Well,
0: like, like I said, if you look at the poster, it that's what it looks like. Yeah, it looks yeah. like the cover for Sleepers, or whatever it is, you know, the... Yeah,
1: or LA Confidential, or something like something that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. And it's not... It's that just is a good these, film. These men in a room getting sweaty. As you, I yeah, think you just... said this last week. No women in it. I think. There might... Yeah,
0: there there are no women. I, I think. I was... think you hear them on the phone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I can't
0: remember if there was women at the restaurant. Maybe I think there might have been a woman at a Chinese restaurant. I think. Yeah, but
1: the, that kind of bothered me a little bit as well. Um, this is the kind of can you like a film that's full of bad people? Like, can you enjoy a bad, you know, a film full of bad people? And um, it's. It's a really misogynist film. Like anytime they talk about women, they're so disparaging to Jonathan Price who's like, you know, no, my wife's told me we're not doing this And they're like, yeah, Well, yeah. you wanna to listen to her kind of thing and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, he, and, and he, then he
0: then Jack Lemon at the end goes, But my daughter she's ill and he's like, I don't I don't even don't think he says I don't care, but he says something to to that effect.
1: And it's the same even and at the like... beginning when uh Jack Lemon's character is selling to that guy, doesn't want him in the house and he's like, What, are you gonna tell her, your wife what to do? and you're going to like tell, tell let a yeah, woman yeah. tell you what to do and stuff like that it's full of that shit and i understand they're just writing the characters that existed then but it it doesn't make it enjoyable to watch now do you have to like the character to enjoy a film like
0: enjoy something yeah yeah
1: like wolf of wall street is not about good people but people in, i didn't really like that film but people really enjoyed that film and it's that kind of yeah it's that kind of thing and i think maybe it's personal obviously but i think personally i think i kind of do have to like the character to, or have someone to latch onto to enjoy a film. I think I do. I think that with
0: films bit. like films like uh, Wolf of Wall Street, though, is you see who the person was before before they kind of get a bit corrupted by all this greed. So at least you can sure. kind of sympathise with their downfall There's a, a bit, bit of and a thing, oh, the cat moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in this, they're kind of they're fully formed from the beginning, so you don't really see who they were before or. To kind of, I mean, you don't really know much about any of them, to be honest. Other than their personality traits.
1: No, and the, and as you say, anything they tell you could be a lie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, you do know that Jack Lemon's obviously got some ailment because he's on the he's trying to get in contact with his doctor about something, or is that to do with his daughter who's ill? It could be
1: to do with his daughter, couldn't it? The only thing you really get is Jack Lemon's been in a slump but you don't really know how long the slump's been for. And Robert De Niro sorry Robert De Niro Albertino is on like a is is the best. That's basically all you really know going into it.
0: And obviously like Ed Harris was envious of him.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because of it.
1: Alec Baldwin drops like an F bomb right at the beginning of the um the uh film as well. And uh, it was that kind of like oh yeah. Have to have to listen to kind of that being films kind of stuff. So like this is a famous yeah. F-bomb in like Bill and Ted, which you just kind of wish, even though it was funny at the time, you just like...
0: Bill and Ted's an odd one why it's got it. But I'm sure later on in the film, I'm sure Jack Lemon says it, or a, a version of it. I, th- there, I mean, think he said fairy so. or something like that. Too, yeah, there is,
1: isn't there? Yeah, I think he calls him a cocksucker as well.
0: Which Probably, I mean, yeah. Like, there's a lot of that. And you'd think... Ever. Is he internally going <laughs> or like I mean we're thinking it now in it's just yeah I'm glad that that's being erased from film
1: Yeah it it does date films really badly it really I'm does I'm sure
0: there's another I'm sure there's like oh there's a there's a racial slur as well when they go they should we go to the I'll, I'll say that they go to the Chinese but they use a different sure. Terminology for, it. and it's yeah, like, yeah. Do you need to have that in there? Like, yeah, does that make your film any better for having that in there? Or, your? well, probably...
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure when they wrote this, they were just like, That's what people say, and we're just writing how people talk. Which I'm, I'm, and if you're thinking of your audience, then maybe your audience don't want to see in a film when that's being used, maybe they don't need yeah, exactly. those terms to be used by the characters and know they're bad people, it's just, you know, and that's suddenly. When I was watching this film, the f bomb drops, and I think, "Oh fuck, do I have to now deal with that for fucking two hours or something? Whatever it was, hundred yeah. minutes." So it's it does
0: make it. me sad in Bill and Ted because I do love Bill and Ted. I love <laughs> that Ted. moment, it's weird. Yeah. Like, it's why is that in there? It's like because it. there's no swearing in it or anything like that, and then all of a sudden that's. It. It's it almost like, like when oh, they wrote it,
1: it, just wasn't even an offensive word. You know, like it had no like levity to it to the people making the film
0: it it still it still baffles me that the the food product hasn't changed name or something i guess it's
1: oh the meatballs
0: Does yeah mean... like yeah. why are they still called
1: uh, i guess they were called that before anything else so
0: i guess so but once something's got a connotation attached to it you think oh, okay man, i think time to
1: the village i live in or the town whatever like i live they're, um the butchers are always advertising that outside on the little boards outside like homemade. I don't like. And um I always wonder if people are doing it now because they get away with being able to say words.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like quoting a film with the n-word in yeah, it. Yeah, can yeah. say it if you quote it. It's like when I was editing the um the last podcast with um Boys in the Hood. Obviously they say the n-word in the in the trailer. Sure. But I purposely edited it out because it, no one needs to hear it, really. I mean, you can say it, they can say it in that film because they have the right. that's part of their vernacular. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's, I,
1: d- I definitely don't have the right.
0: It's like Shaun of the Dead, they say it in Shaun of the Dead. And it's like, do they? is that forgivable in that? Or yeah, like Nick Frost's character like pulls up in the car and he goes, what's up? My-? Uh,
1: with the a soft R or whatever they call it. Not Not with the hard R. Is that the term people use?
0: Is that what it is? I think so.
1: Anyway, have you got anything else to say about this film?
0: Um, no. What would you give it on Letterbox? Then?
1: Um, I reckon I'm about a three, maybe three point five. Three point five because the acting, I think.
0: I'm a three. No. I think.
1: It's around there. Though. Yeah,
0: it's mostly for acting.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad film. The though.
0: music was didn't stand out to me. It was a bit. Again, it go it when it went a bit nineties TV, didn't it?
1: Yeah. I really hate saxophones. I hate the sound of saxophones. I'm gonna have people attacking me, you know. Like, but, this um, is the third
0: film that's got these it's guys, got that King kind sex of saxophones in it, like.
1: <laughs> That's all the nineties was.
0: At least this didn't have Chris Isaacs in it though, like um that song bugs me in uh in Wild at Heart, you know the I never wanna fall in love. <laughs> that one. <laughs> Which Just, is uh, that song.
1: Yeah, this had this had no, this didn't have
0: one needle drop, does
1: it, at any point. There's no, no, no
0: it's all, it's all incon, inconsequential. I don't know, it's just all kind of.
1: Well, I guess on the stage there wouldn't be any music at all.
0: I'm guessing probably maybe seen just at the beginning, just as the curtains open or the light spotlights open.
1: Because there's no reason think. to have music in any of the scenes, not in the office or the, or yeah. the restaurant. So, so I guess they just, I don't know what the soundtrack is this, but I guess they just put some some smooth jazz in it like
0: it kind of puts the film in a bit of another era maybe as well because it kind of it doesn't feel necessarily 1990s because it's almost got that kind of film noir kind of
1: yeah sure i mean it was written in the 80s though like
0: because the first half is all at night and it's just pouring down with rain and they've all got the big rain coats on and the big the hats, and hats and stuff yeah. like
1: that I think that's how people dressed then, especially in the winter. Did they?
0: Written. Yeah. No I thought so. they all wore stonewashed jeans and night trainers. and. Not,
1: not if you're a salesman in office. Like.
0: <laughs> no, everybody dressed like Marty McFly in the 90s. That's, <laughs> that's the bottom line. Do mind.
1: people still wear suits all the time? I guess they do. People with real jobs. <laughs>
0: really? Yeah. Man, you're talking to someone who spent the last six weeks just wearing his lounge trousers. Like, I've been been wearing the same Star Wars or Ninja Turtles um, lounge trousers for the last God knows how many weeks
1: That's Dan Harmon's term, isn't it? If you manage to spend all day in your pyjamas, you're a (laughs) pyjampian
0: Like, when I put jeans on now, I feel like I'm dressed up
1: (laughs) I'm not joking, I've spent all day working in my lounge pants, as you put them And when I went to record this
0: they are pajamas. That's just they are pajamas. <laughs> they are pajamas but, you know.
1: And when I went, when I came to record this, I actually dressed up. Like I, <laughs> I put like real trousers on. And...
0: <laughs> See, I'm business at top. I'm party at the bottom. <laughs> you totally are. <laughs> I've got they've got Tie Fighters and X Wings on.
1: Anyway, sh- I've got a game prepared for us. Go on then. Okay, so in honor of Alec Baldwin being in this film, which is our first time covering Alec Baldwin. I came up with a game called "Which Baldwin Am I?"
0: <laughs> oh no! <laughs> There's so many of them.
1: So I was going to write a jingle on everything, and I wish I could do an Alec Baldwin impression. There, it's really hard to do, but I was listening to him, and he's got no like kind of. I can't do impressions anyway. I don't know who I'm pretending.
0: He doesn't have like one of those. <sighs> he doesn't have one of those kind of ticks. When you hear could... him, when you hear Alec Baldwin, do it's you know him. it's Alec Baldwin. Yeah. But he hasn't got like a, a kind of voice that you can impersonate or a catchphrase that you can kind of
1: Kind of latch onto. But anyway, I have a number of statements about a Baldwin. And I want you to guess which Baldwin it is.
0: So hang on, there's Alec, yeah. William, yeah. Stephen, yeah. and who's the other one? Daniel. Just them three. Daniel, oh. who the fuck's Daniel? Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> What's he been in? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> um, there
1: is Adam Baldwin, but he doesn't count because he's a fake Baldwin, so he's not part of this game. So I need. To What's he been out. in? He was in Firefly.
0: Oh, the one who wore the hat. Yeah, yeah, the guy with the hat the, yeah. the like tea cozy thing on his head. Yeah,
1: he's a fake Baldwin. It's that really show, weird. like
0: everyone tried to get me into that show. I just, uh, I just you know don't what? get on with Josh Wedden It's fine. And the film's alright. I like the film because you recommend really, really the, films, like the film. Yeah, I do. But really. the show I found a bit grating.
1: It's just fine. It lives where it lives, and any times people are still bringing up the fact that the Firefly might come back, it makes me no. yawn. <laughs> like, just it's fine. I enjoyed it too.
0: Do you know they're bringing back Red Dwarf again? Oh, I don't give a shit about Red Dwarf. That was the I le- did re- I have, I have started rewatching it, and the old ones are funny. God, Some like- of the concepts in it are quite good.
1: I tried to rewatch it at university and it didn't hold up.
0: Didn't it not hold up? I just
1: got so fed to be watching it, if I'm honest. So I start with reading a phrase. I start with an easy one. Go on then. In 1990, I was the first actor to portray Tom Clancy's former US Marine Jack Ryan on screen. A role that has subsequently been portrayed by Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, Chris Pine and John Krasinski.
0: Is that William Baldwin? No, it's Alec Baldwin. Oh, it's Alec! Fuck! I, William's the older one though, isn't he? Isn't think, he older? I think so, yeah. I think it's funny that when you look back up, if you look back at young Alec Baldwin, he looks nothing like Alec Baldwin now. So if you look at Alec <laughs> Baldwin in Beetlejuice...
1: Beetle in Beetlejuice, he's so beautiful. And in it's complicated. He's not. That's the career growth for Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1996, I portrayed Stubbs Johnson, a young slacker who accidentally ended up in a closed ecological system with his best friend, Squirrel. <laughs> oh,
0: that'd be Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> yes. Viva Lost Biostome. <laughs>
1: I took over the role of Barney Rubble for Rick, from Rick Morales in the 2000 sequel to The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas.
0: Steven Baldwin,
1: yes, because you see, you know, you know your Stevens.
0: I haven't seen that one. I remember when I went to Universal Studios, and I think they made the film there, and so all the sets and stuff were still <laughs> were still present. Total Talking fact.
1: of Universal Studios. My performance as firefighter Brian McCaffrey got critical praise in the Ron Howard 1991 firefighting action drama Backdraft. I did not appear alongside Ron Howard, Kurt Russell and Scott Glenn for the Universal Studios attraction but I did return for the sequel in 2018.
0: There was a sequel? Yeah, Backdraft 2. That's not true. <laughs> it is. It's not. There's it no is. Backdraft 2.
1: There is. You can't look it up. I've got to guess with Baldwin first. <laughs> All
0: right, William Baldwin.
1: It is William Baldwin. Billy, Billy, Billy. Yes. Um, this is,
0: there's a backdraft too? That is, is a backdraft too.
1: Yes, it is true. Backraft. Backraft. <laughs> it's called The Fire Strikes Back, I think. I'm making that. <laughs> <it up. laughs> In 2014, 20- I was arrested for distor- disorderly conduct after riding my bicycle the wrong way down a one-way street. In what year? 2014.
0: I want to say... oh, I know Stephen Baldwin's been in a lot of trouble, so I'll say Stephen Baldwin. Uh, It was Alec. Oh, Alec. Oh, Alec. That was a slap on the wrist.
1: I starred alongside Dowell Hannah in the 1993 remake of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman.
0: William? Daniel. Daniel. (laughs) I didn't even know Daniel existed until a (laughs) minute ago.
1: In 1998, I was found running naked through the halls of New York Plaza Hotel shouting, Baldwin, and was arrested for possession of cocaine.
0: (laughs) Stephen Baldwin? Daniel! (laughs) I don't think Daniel exists. I think he's like...
1: Okay, alongside Daniel Day-Lewis, Ralph Fiennes, and Val Kilmer, I was on Joel Schumacher's shortlist to play Batman in 1995's Batman Forever.
0: I want to say Alec because wasn't he up for the Batman eighty nine as well? He might have been up for Batman eighty nine,
1: but this was Billy. Oh, f- I would eventually exciting. play Batman in two thousand and ten in Justice Lee's Crisis on Two Earths, a loose adaptation of Grant Morrison's JLA Earth two.
0: Being movie. in a cartoon animated film does not count. <laughs> it kind of counts.
1: If I was Billy, I'd. That one was that actually all right.
0: That one was. It wasn't was as good it? as the comic book, but um,
1: if fun. I'd read that bit out, would you? Would you have got it? You reckon?
0: The Batman bit. If I'd read the second Which... bit out of that,
1: that he did yeah, play yeah, Batman yeah. eventually. Okay, I shouldn't. I should have read that out fully. Then I, I, I shanked you.
0: Shanked me.
1: In 2016, I publicly endorsed Donald Trump for president.
0: Oh. Please don't be Alec. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Stephen. Stephen,
1: you're good at your Stephen. Sounds
0: about Steve. right. He was on Celebrity Big Brother one year, and he came off across as like the big, quite a bit of a a dick, bit of a bell end. Yeah. In
1: 2016, I took over as a regular host for the new Match Game, which is blankety blank in the US. Uh, season four of the new Match Game was shown in 2019. Um,
0: let's go, Daniel, just for the fuck of it. It's Alec. <laughs> what really? Yes, Alec hosts the Match Game. <laughs> Didn't he win an Oscar for um, <laughs> for The Departed?
1: Did he win it for The Departed? Didn't he? He must have an Oscar. Uh, in, tw- in December 2011, I was on an American Airlines flight at Los Angeles International Airport, playing words with friends on my phone while waiting for takeoff. When instructed to put away the electronic device by the flight attendant, I reportedly became belligerent and was eventually removed from the plane.
0: <laughs> Stephen? Alec What? <laughs> Alec, you're going down in my estimations What's going on?
1: Um, In the second season of the American I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here I joined the season halfway through After Heidi Pratt and her husband Spencer quit the show
0: Steven sound- Sounds like a thing Steve and Baldwin would do Daniel Oh god
1: how many more of this do you want? I've got loads.
0: <laughs> keep keep them coming.
1: <laughs> I portrayed a fictional version of myself in Judd Apatow produced 2008 for getting Sarah Marshall.
0: Oh, Alec Baldwin, Billy. Ah, uh, I don't. <laughs> when, when was that in that film? I don't remember.
1: I don't remember either. But I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Um, my daughter Haley married Justin Bieber in
0: 2018. Oh. Daniel. Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: in 2000, I starred as the fat controller alongside Peter Fonda and Mara Wilson in the live action film Thomas and the Magical Railroad. Although the character was renamed to Mr. Conductor. Alec? Yes, Alec Baldwin. Yes. This is, you know the film premiered at the Odeon Leicester Square, and for the purpose of the premiere, they they got a steam locomotive and painted it up to look like Thomas, and it was brought okay. to the cinema. At the same weekend, the all the press didn't turn up basically because the same weekend Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was launched, for which at King's Cross Station they painted up a special train called the Hardwalks Express. <laughs> <laughs> so the entire press were there. And the second weekend of this film, it made 170k. Oof. Oof. Yeah. That wasn't, a, is wasn't it? So a it's success.
0: a live action Thomas the Tank engine
1: film. Yeah, me. it's live action Thomas with that kind of CGI trains or trains with CGI faces or something. Like, I have a recurring role in the twenty sixteen reboot of MacGyver starring Lucas Till as the eponymous lead character. The show is still on the air.
0: Um William Yes. <laughs> yes. It's off, it's off I've never seen it. a single episode of MacGyver. I didn't know it was still on.
1: I was very impressed by it. I just know it from the guy who used to be on Stargate, whose name's got in my head. <laughs> MacGyver.
0: I was looking up Stargate the other day. I didn't realise how long it ran for and how many spin-offs and yeah. movies it had. <laughs> yeah.
1: I haven't seen them all. I, I've, I've watched some of each series. Oh, shit.
0: Because that that film is better than it has any right to be. The first yeah, film, yeah, it totally is. I think it holds up. Was it our friend Jamie who kept calling you David Spade after? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think the archaeology guys done it, as well.
0: <laughs> Do you like being referred to as Spader? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I fucking love Jay Spader. Mannequin era Spader.
1: No, I'm I'm good with Lincoln era Spader. <laughs> That's my favourite Spader. I need to rewatch that
0: one. So, carry on. What's next? Give me another one.
1: In my second film, I starred alongside Scott Plank and Michael Rooker in Michael Mann's TV movie LA Takedown, which would eventually be remade by Mann as the seminal 1995 movie Heat. Kickboxer Jerry Trimble played the same name character in the remake.
0: Oh. William? Daniel. No. Oh. <laughs> it's my goal now to meet Daniel Baldwin and get his autograph. Um, I don't know what he looks like. Does he look does he look like a Baldwin? They all look like Baldwins.
1: They all look like like different versions of Baldwins.
0: What do you think? Like if you know, like in Bill and Ted 2, you got station where they all combine together to make one station.
1: Do you think the Baldwins are the same? It's yeah, like do, you that. do you think they
0: do you think they'll look who would they um, look more like? Can you imagine the ultimate Baldwin?
1: I think Alec is the ultimate Baldwin. I think Alec doesn't <laughs> exist and the other Baldwins merge to form him.
0: To form in the <laughs> successful one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, shall I do one more?
0: Yeah, go on. Uh,
1: this is two Baldwin's. So you okay. got to guess which two Baldwin's this is. In 2015, myself and my brother played evil twin Sarko in the Korean animated film Dino Time. Or it was called Back to the Jurassic for American audiences. I was eventually killed by a rocket powered skateboard.
0: I want to go Daniel and Stephen.
1: Ah, you got one of them. It was Billy and Stephen.
0: Oh. You
1: got half a point.
0: Well, that was fun.
1: Which Baldwin am I?
0: That was a good game. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do very well on it, though.
1: <laughs> no. One, two. Three, four, five. You've got many Stevens. You're good with your Stephen th- Baldwin facts.
0: Stephen was in um, unusual, no, the usual suspects, wasn't he? Does that film hold up?
1: Uh, I don't know. I Man, I, I'm never going to put that film on again.
0: It's got two two yeah. big questionable people exactly. are involved in that film
1: with Singer, and yeah, I'm never going to watch that film again. I don't know.
0: Is is Singer's career over now? Is he I hope done now? So. Yeah, I
1: can't believe he won a fucking Oscar after the fucking whole thing came out I'm still mad about that What did he win the Oscar for? Didn't he win a... Oh no, well I guess he didn't win an Oscar but Bohemian Rhapsody got fucking every award on the planet Didn't it?
0: Well Dexter Fletcher should have got some of that <laughs> Yeah Because <totally. laughs> he's the one who kind of brought it all together Was
1: Dexter's name on it?
0: No, well as a, pro- as a producer Liam My- almost dropped his laptop. No, the microphone fell
1: over. You might have to cut <laughs> that up.
0: Nope, staying in. I'm with, I'm gradually getting looser and looser with the edits to the point where we don't have to edit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be no edits. It's just, this is gonna be us talking just shit.
0: Intro, outro, and then just unedited <laughs> in the middle.
1: Long pauses while Ollie looks <laughs> up the monkey from Friends.
0: <laughs> you looked at the monkey from Friends.
1: <laughs> Actually that that was me looking that up, yeah. <laughs> Right Nope. <laughs> 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 oh, I think we've gone a little fucking crazy. Uh so next week it's gonna be nineteen ninety three and I think we're gonna look at Remains of the Day.
0: Rich? Is this the one where he plays um the writer it's of a- Narnia, C S Lewis, or is that Shadowlands? It's one of That's
1: two. Shadowlands. This is when he's a butler. Oh okay. I think that's all I know about it. This, the cover for Remains of the Day is one of those videotapes that was, I was always... I saw it everywhere as a kid. Like, it was in my parents' house. It was in the VHS shop. The VHS shop. It was in the... <laughs> <laughs> it was in the rental store. Like, it was posters of it everywhere. I think it got nominated for, like approximately 45 oscars and i don't know
0: (laughs) are there even 45 oscar (laughs) categories they created one just for reigns of the day yeah
1: best period drama with emma thompson that's what it wasn't that yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's all she does that's all she does exclusively yeah james ivy picture which um i don't know i have no idea i've no expectations it looks very i just know this cover with him in his butler outfit and emma thompson kind of staring at him kind of like Mysteriously, like, oh, no. I know
0: my dad loves it. And the the DVD box says it's like the performance, the greatest performance in all of cinematic history.
1: Oh, my, that's there we go. That's a tagline that's selling next week. It's a very, I think, I think it's safe to say we're going very dad movie next week. This was a bit dad yeah, yeah. movie, though, I guess.
0: I guess so. So, where can people watch Remains of the Day? Uh, you can actually rent it on
1: Prime and you can rent it on Apple as well. So you should be able to get through that. It's not as hard to kind of find as some films.
0: Yeah, you can't pop into your local HMV at the moment. I think that's a...
1: <laughs> Though this would de- they would definitely have copies of this in HMV. They've probably got a wall of this. Oh yeah, HMV. definitely.
0: it's definitely one of the catalogue titles they'd have. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, anyway, uh, don't forget you can contact us and add us on Twitter. We are at adjustyourtrack with a Y-R instead of a your anyway um, please rate review and subscribe we're also on Spotify now so you can follow us on there as well um, and don't forget if the pitch is bad always adjust your tracking
1: that would do that will do Pete <laughs> <laughs>